One quick announcement before we get started on today's podcast, guys. Greg McCoy over at Hidden Gym, he and his team are going to be hosting the 12th annual Show of Strength Powerlifting Meet, July the 24th in Allen, Texas. Guys, this meet is phenomenal. I can personally vouch for how great Greg and his team are at running a very smooth and entertaining powerlifting meet. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had in a powerlifting meet last year. I competed last year. I'm going to compete again this year. They have a DJ there, which is phenomenal. They're going to cater food, which is very unheard of when you go to powerlifting meets for a gym to provide food for the lifters and commentators. You're going to have professional photographers and videographers. They're going to have professional guests come. So big boy from the strength cartel is going to be there. Power lifter Lauren Alvarez is going to be there. And world's strongest man competitor Robert Oberst is going to be there. They're going to have plenty of things for the audience to interact with. They're going to have strongman events. they got the powerlifting meet. They're going to have the DJ going. And I'm sure there's going to be multiple different things going on. Guys, remember, this is July the 24th in Allen, Texas at the Hidden Gym. Feel free to contact Greg McCoy over at Hidden Gym in Allen, Texas. The information or link for this will be in the description of this podcast. It's also in the link on my bio, uh, ZachFant18 on Instagram. This this link will tr- take you directly to the Hidden Gym's website. If you're interested in competing in this event, it'll take you directly to the registration for this. And that link is also over on the Hidden Gym's Instagram page. Guys, we hope to see you there. You don't want to miss this event. Have a good one. We'd like to apologize. Um, We had a few internet connection issues here. There was a few times where when Paul was talking, the Wi-Fi connection, either on his side or my side, wasn't the greatest, so there's a little bit of silence there. Um, Overall, it was a fantastic podcast, and I greatly appreciate him coming on. Hope you all enjoy it. What's up, Paul? How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's it's nice not to have a whole lot going on after work today. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I've been uh, I've been adjusting to the self employed life, so it's been interesting to kind of make my own schedule. So, uh, yeah, that would be like the dream. It is, but so have you ever heard the expression? Uh, Something takes as much time to do as you allot for it. Yeah. So that's a hundred percent true. So I'm finding myself like a couple weeks ago, I, was, I felt very unproductive. Um, like everything was taking me forever. And it was because I was just kind of going with the flow of the day, as opposed to assigning like a specific block of time for each task. So now what I've done is I've gone into my schedule and I've actually like scheduled out hour by hour, what I would like to accomplish. And it's been a lot better. And then I can actually during the downtime in between, or, you know, a lot of downtime after or before, um, I find I'm not actually able to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that was, that was a problem. Like one task would run into another or I would get caught, you know, in between like on my phone or something like that. Uh, but now that I have established like an established schedule of what I want to do at what time, everything just runs so much more smoothly. I have to do that a lot with my job because I work eight to five every single day, Monday through Friday. So, 
on those days I know, mm-hmm. okay, from this time to this time I have to do this. So I don't have a very long window of things that I got to schedule. That's not my other jobs that are not work, like my clients and the podcasts and things like that. Yeah, I'm learning the scheduling on the podcast is a bigger headache than I expected. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but as far as like the the full time job goes, I always found it e- I, I found it easier to schedule my work when I worked full time because the the full time job was the scaffolding, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it forced you to be in a place for eight hours. Yeah. So you couldn't do work at any other time. Mm-hmm. Then if you want to be productive outside of that, get your training, get your meal prep, mm-hmm. get your walks, get your you know self care stuff. That has to be scheduled in, or else it just won't happen. Yeah. Um, I also felt I wasted less time. Yeah. So right, right now I'm like, I looked at my phone, my my screen time was up like two hours from last week, and like, oh, yeah, that uh, that needs to change. Yeah, you find yourself giving, allowing yourself to have more free time and enjoying that, not having exactly. the full time job, rather than now what I'm doing, like scheduling my work and then enjoying time before and after yeah. type thing. Since you're now doing being more like you're self employed. You're doing the Coach's Corner University. You've been an educator mm-hmm. on there. And are you going to expand your client availability now that it's you have more time to focus so on that? Initially, that was my thought. Because I was like, yeah, I, I thought about it. I was like, okay, I can, I can probably add, you know, maybe 15 to 20 more clients. Because my, my ultimate goal was, well, if I'm freeing up this 35 hours a week, I don't want to fill it all. Because mm-hmm. I was working 70 hours a week. Yeah. And that like, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, I wasn't able to hang out with my family on certain occasions. Um, I missed a lot of quality time with my, my former girlfriend and like, it's like, okay. Not necessarily focus on expanding my client base, but by providing a higher level of service. Mm-hmm. So working on how can I improve my communication? How can I improve the education I provide the client? How can I improve the way in which I display data? How can I improve um, the types of information I'm disseminating? How can I bring a greater awareness of what our goals are to the client? Like that, to me, brings my service to a higher level. In time, once it's dialed in, it will allow me to charge a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then I can I can build my business on service rather than volume. Yeah, because I think I think as coaches in the online space, it's very I don't want to say it's very easy, but you see it a lot where people have a hundred, a hundred and fifty clients, two hundred clients. At that point, especially if you're doing training, you're not coaching anymore. No. You're writing programs. That's all you're doing. If you're doing nutrition, you're really leaving it to be leaving people to their own devices in between. Like that is like I talk to my nutrition clients, like you'll text me periodically through the week. I'll I'll speak to, you know, most of my clients at least once or twice a week, mm-hmm. plus their check-ins. For my training clients, I'm talking to them at least three three times a week, usually four. Um the clients that I do see in person, like there's constant communication. So there is no way if I want to provide the level of, of care to my clients that I believe is required as a coach, there's no way I can scale my product. Yeah. And it, so I that's quality over quantity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like 
I don't need to make more money. Like I'm not, I'm not into this to, to make more money. I'm into this to, to provide the best level of service that I can. That's one thing that I try to, I try to put out to people whenever I speak or whenever I am, I'm in a mentorship situation is I always want to be output oriented. I always want to put the best out into the world and the income takes care of itself, mm-hmm. right? Like the concept of when you look at a coach, you want to look at how many clients do they have that they've coached for multiple years? Yeah. How many clients they've taken from, from a beginner to advanced? How many clients have they, how many clients do they turn over? I think that tells you a lot about the quality of service that a, that a coach is providing. Um, and as far as being a business owner, it is much easier to retain a client than it is to get a new one. Yeah, I agree with that. So when you're building out your coaching platform or, or any business for that matter, being output oriented and focusing on the highest level of service, that's going to guarantee you success in your business. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, for the ones I'm sure everybody that's going to listen to this already knows who you are. Before we get too much into mm-hmm. it, do you mind introducing yourself and kind of what got you started in wanting to be a coach and what got you started in powerlifting? Absolutely. So I, uh, I did my undergraduate here in, in Canada at the University of Ottawa uh, in human kinetics. And during my university career, I started off uh, as a red shirt on a basketball team, uh, decided I didn't want – as a 5'9 white guy – I decided the basketball wasn't for me, and uh, I transitioned into football. I uh, played semi-pro football for a season, and then in the off-season, I had knee surgery. And then coming back that next season and going through the rehab process, that was I think this was my second year of university transitioning into my third year. I went through that rehab process from the knee surgery, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do rehab. And so I focused my studies around that. I focused my studies around sports performance. Every bit of education I did outside the classroom focused on sports performance and rehab. Um, I started training as a, I started a personal training at the campus gym, uh, started prepping a bunch of our, uh, our seniors for the CFL draft. And then once I graduated, I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I uh, looked for who was the best college strength coach in the country that year it turned out to be ron mckeefrey at the university of south florida um it was that year right after they had like george selby and jason pierre paul and they were ranked in the top four in the nation um so he won strength coach of the year i, I, I emailed him i uh, got in touch with frank wintrick his assistant who is now just left started my master's degree and then about halfway through my master's degree I got a full-time job at Robert Morris University so I took an assistant job there switched master's degrees went into a different program when I graduated I moved back to Tampa to work at the University of Tampa and finished my degree at South Florida and then when I graduated in South Florida I got the head strength coach job up here at Canada at the University of Queens or at Queens University uh, which is essentially Canada's Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there for a year. Uh, because of the situation there, I burnt out pretty hard. Uh, ended up resigning and switching careers uh, and went into disability rehabilitation. So I worked with individuals who were on disability and coordinated treatment plans, helping them back to work. 
And during that time, I started a side business coaching online, doing a little bit of personal training. And over the last six years, built my business to the point where, you know, here we are doing Coach's Corner and uh, coaching full time. That's awesome. I, uh, I have not been near as experienced or around as you have when it comes to that stuff. But I, 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 I got into powerlifting around five, a little over five years ago. And fortunately, I've pretty much had the exact same coach the entire time I've been in powerlifting. And it's, that's awesome. and, it, and to have Christian, that's Christian Anto's uh, my coach. And he's basically mm-hmm. been a mentor to me the entire time. And to learn from him and his massive book of his a resume. And then him, once him and Julia got married, that was even more resources. And then all the elite FTS people that he can get in contact with for mm-hmm. any type of information. It is pretty awesome to learn from those, those individuals and, you know, watch myself be able to help others grow through that information. Um, I actually have a buddy who is now going to be the New York Mets strength and conditioning coach. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. He, he, he was with the Los Angeles angels and he Mm -hmm. just signed up this year for the New York Mets. Major league baseball strength and conditioning is a grind. Yes. And he stays busy and he has to coordinate, you know, the, the food for the team, the traveling, the hotel Mm -hmm. stays, their programming, making sure they're all this stuff. And he's also working with Jordan shallow and Killian Hamilton with the prescript crew. He's he's mm-hmm. on he's with them guys. He's okay, cool. Ryan, you know who Ryan Orr? Yeah, yeah. That's, the name. that's a really really good friend of mine. We went to high school together, played baseball and football together. Very cool. Yeah, very so, cool. And it's he trains down here, and I've and it's neat that I don't have any college education when it comes to this stuff or exercise, sports science. It's basically mm-hmm. what I've taught myself through experiencing this. And to be able to teach him something is pretty cool too. Cause I don't, I never went to oh, college. Yeah. Like, Go ahead. The, the beauty of the barbell is that you can learn so much simply by putting into practice what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've always been a proponent of, of continuing education. I mean, I have two master's degrees, so it'd be kind of, <laughs> kind of stupid if I wasn't, um, all that does is it teaches you how to learn. It gives you a great background information and a conceptual basis from which to, to expand on. But it, even if you don't have an education within exercise science, at training. Uh, and the, the easiest example for me is, is one of my mentees, a client of mine, great friend, Stuart Locke. Who's a you know pre-script barbell mm-hmm. barbell coach? Stuart has a degree in history and religion. Okay, but Stuart is self-taught in terms of of strength and conditioning. But because of his degree and the way in which he learns, the lens through which he's able to look at information changes. So the way he conceptualizes information is completely different. When we talk, you know. On Sunday, we talked about training in terms of art and science. Mm -hmm. Well, he's just approaching it from the art side and then integrating the science. Yeah. Whereas somebody with a degree might start from the science side and fully integrate the art. The other piece that a lot of coaches fail to look at is that athlete in front of you is the most important piece of any training puzzle. Yeah. So regardless of what your education is, if you can't communicate, 
you're dead in the water. Communication is outside of keeping your athlete healthy. Communication is the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, I struggle with the communication part because I don't communicate the greatest myself with like Christian because I've been doing it so long. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he got on me a little bit because you don't, Oh yeah. He stays on me about needing to communicate more, but I am learning the, what the pain is of your clients not communicating with you through starting my own coaching, online coaching and stuff like that. Cause I need people to send videos. I need them to send me an email, send me a text, something like, Hey, let me know what's going on. How's it going? Um, when I do, I do a little bit of nutrition with people and I help and I, and I kind of do like the carb cycling stuff for most of them because it's, for me, it's pretty simple. And to basically when you ask them, how's it going? How's your diet going? How do you feel? And kinds of, it's good. Like, well, how's your weight? What's good? Like, well, it's not telling me nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the biggest thing with the, the nutrition stuff and even the training stuff from the get go, you have, I set expectations with regards to communication, right? Like I send you my initial email for nutrition and it says your check-in day is this day. This is the information I need, but do not wait until check-in day to ask questions. If you have them, you reach out to me whenever you need me. Then on the training side, in that email, it's, I expect videos of your top sets every training session. I expect videos of anything that you have questions about. If you're uncertain and the answer isn't fuck yeah, I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. you send me videos of it. Yeah. All right. So the expectation is there. And then on the flip side, you as the coach have to fulfill your end of the bargain. If you're asking for these videos, you better damn well watch them. Yes. Right. You better you better provide that critique. You better let them know, hey, thank you for sending this. You're doing your part. A lot of uh I think I think Trevor said it, but uh, he said, you know, what what can I expect from you as my coach? Um, why not switch it around and say, well, as a coach, what do I expect from my clients? Yes. Right? Like, 100%. I'm the coach. I'm setting the expectations. If my expectations don't align with yours, well, then let's hammer that home and figure it out. Um, or maybe we don't maybe it's not a good, uh, a good relationship, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's not a good fit. Uh, I used to have an ego about that thing. And I want, I wanted to be like, you know, I can coach anyone at any time, but my style of person isn't suited for some people. Mm-hmm. I do my best to be positive. I do my best to be motivating, but anyone who's, who's my client, especially through training, will tell you that I very rarely give praise because there's always something to work on. But when, yeah. when, the athlete does something that I've asked them to, they absolutely know that they did the right thing. On the flip side is I ask a lot of my clients. So if as a client, you're not able to step up to the plate, you're going to get really frustrated with me coaching you. Oh yeah. You know, harp on I, I ask, I ask a lot of you. It's not even like a nagging, like I'm always on them. It's just the like, Hey, I've asked you to do this a couple times yeah. now. You haven't done it. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying. Well, no, you're not trying because all I've asked you to do is change the way your feet are oriented and you haven't done it. Yeah. So you're not trying. Um, so I've, I've lost clients. I've fired people because they just don't listen. Yeah. And, and that's fine. Like it, it's never, uh, it's never a personal thing. 
it's just, hey, I don't think our, our communication styles mesh. I've tried a different, a couple different ways. You're still not hearing what I'm saying. I don't think this is a good fit. You know, I wish you all the best. I, I've had to do that with okay. one person. Because, it, of course, it's very early in my coaching career. I've only been doing this for about a year. And I still have less than 10 clients, which that's, I'm happy with that because I have a. Can you still hear me? I think we lost. Sorry, I just lost you. It's okay. Um, I don't have a whole lot of clients, which is fine, especially with me having a full-time job. But mm-hmm. I had a, a client who started out in the sport of powerlifting and started out really strong from the get-go. And I didn't have this, you know, pedal all the way down to the floor. Let's floor it and, you know, let's see how fast we can get to the end. It's like I had a more cautious and planned out goal. Like, hey, let's back off a little bit. Let's build your base. You've got some nagging things. Let's try to work on that. And he didn't want to do that. You know, let's, you know, I wanted him to bench less than 300 pounds for a couple of weeks and it was a 500 pound bencher or more. He thought that was crazy. He's like, that makes no sense. It's like, well, you just had a meet. You just got off a deload. Let's spend some time building up your capacity. Let's, you know, let's focus on form a little bit better. Let's, you know, address the things that need to be addressed and let's start building on top of that. You know, in a month or so, you'll be back in the eighties, 90%, you know, like you're wanting to be, but right now we need to focus on, the little bitty things and let's see if we can get those things, the kinks worked out. And it just, it was basically, mm-hmm. I'm the one lifting the weights was the response I got. So I'm going to do what, what I want to do. So I was like, you know what? Just take your money back. I can't do it. Yeah. See like, okay. So in that instance, yeah, the guy was probably not a good fit in terms of philosophy. Mm-hmm. But if I was in your shoes in that position, I would look at myself and say, how could I have done a better job in this position? Mm-hmm. Right? How, how could I have communicated what I wanted a little bit better? If I, and, and, and maybe the answer is I couldn't, but you have to ask the question. Yeah. Right. You have to ask the question of maybe if I communicated the goals of the training a little bit better, maybe he would have bought in. Maybe if I would have educated him on fatigue and, mm-hmm. um, you know, technique and how that relates to volume tolerance and how that relates to force production and, how increased GPP will allow us to do more training later on. Yeah. Like maybe if I did a better job of educating, mm-hmm. I could have created more buy-in maybe. So next time I'm in this position, because I can't change the past, right? Maybe next time I'm in this position, I'm going to do my due diligence to over explain, yes. to over educate. And then maybe we won't have the same, uh, the same outcome. What surprised or me maybe about you will, it. and you're just getting back. Yeah. You know? What surprised me about it is I like I got him ready for a meet. We sat down and I basically went over the 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 goal. The, you know, I had multiple plans, like what ifs, like if this happens, okay, best case scenarios, we're gonna go this route. And then at this time start tapering down PQ for your meet. Well if it's not going so well, we'll go this route. And if it doesn't go that well, we'll go this route. You know, had different plans and we agreed on it. And then after the meet, we did the same thing. And I was like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what the offseason is going to look like after the GPP phase, uh, you know, hypertrophy phase. I know some people don't like hearing that, but more of a building phase. And I, that, mm-hmm. to me, I call it a building phase, hypertrophy phase. And it's basically to focus on your weak points. 
more so than you normally would in a prep for a meet. And mm-hmm. we went over it, agreed upon it, like, all right, let's go. But it's like for three weeks in a row, it was like, hey, do 285 for, you know, four by 10. Let's, you know, control the eccentric as much as possible. Let's have a good steady pause, a touch on our chest. No bouncing. Let's, you know, keep things very controlled. And let's keep the time under tension a little higher than normal. And let's really hammer on our form. Next thing I know, he's posting a AMRAP at 315 and then an AMRAP at 405. And it's like, <sighs> I couldn't. And I tried to talk to him about it three or four times. Just wouldn't happen. So I was like, I can't do it. That brings up a really interesting point. I, I've touched on it in a few of my um, my talks on Coach's Corner. I do believe, are you familiar with Christian Thibodeau's um, thoughts on neurotyping? No, sir. Okay, so Christian Thibodeau is a Canadian strength coach, very, very renowned in the field. Um, and he came out with this like, out to left field theory about called neurotyping. And he essentially classified people based on their neuro neurotransmitter dominance. So if you were a dopamine dominant lifter, you were someone who thrived on excitation. Okay. So top sets, AMRAPs, um, speed work, things with a, a very high relative intensity. And then if you were a serotonin dominant lifter, you were parasympathetic, you could do the monotonous linear periodization. Yeah. You could chip away at things. You could take those slower approaches. And while I don't know if, if there is an actual physiological difference there, you definitely see the difference in personalities. So I have some very, very strong lifters that, I could, that I'm privileged enough to coach. And I, they're, they're polar opposites. Like I have one lifter who... I will ask him just chip away every week, make tiny little little tweaks. Uh, our intensity changes maybe 2.5 to 5% up or down a week. Very, very methodical. Then I have another one who I have to program more conjugate because he needs a dopamine release from his training or he gets depressed and he hates it. Yeah. He's like, the whole reason I train is so that I can get out my energy so we need to do that in a safe manner. It's like, okay, we can do that for sure. Mm-hmm. So having a lot of tools in your toolbox and having the ability to manipulate the program based on that person, what that person likes. At the end of the day, we're here to have fun. Yeah. So if your training is fun and you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be successful. Like I could go in and I could hammer away at the same shit all the time. That's just who I am. Like I approach training like I'm brushing my teeth. If you give me four sets of 10, 10 weeks in a row, I guarantee you I'll be able to add weight every 10 weeks yeah. just because I'm still fucking stubborn. Yeah. But, you know, a lifter who is more dopamine dominant, more dominant on that like reward center of the brain, there's no way they could do with that, that little novelty. They need the novelty in the training. Right. So that, that's a really interesting point. And, and as a coach, if that type of training doesn't fit with your philosophy, you don't think that that's best case. No one's forcing you to work with that lifter. Mm-hmm. What I do think is valuable is trying to be flexible in your approach and try some new things and bend that training paradigm to what you want to go at. But it doesn't uh, it doesn't behoove you to work with some 
somebody who doesn't fit with your philosophy. You're just going to beat your head against the wall and they're going to be unhappy with your service. And both of you are going to leave with a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah. That's, that's so. basically what, cause I felt bad. It was like, oh, I shouldn't be having to do this. And it was just in, it was just going to be for a short period of time because he wanted to do a meet, you know, fairly quick. And I was like, well, okay, let's spend a little bit of time just trying to recover. Cause you're a little beat up. Your shoulders are kind of hurting you. So let's, you know, take a, three or four mm-hmm. weeks and back down the percentage a little bit. And then we'll ramp it up. And then it was more of a conjugate, you know, RPE based, you know, top sets. And then a couple of few, you know, he had some, I had some back down sets for him so he could focus more so on controlling the movement versus maximum output. But it just didn't work out that well mm-hmm. whenever it come down to actually doing the unfun stuff. And I used to of be course. that way. Cause I, I, I trained, uh, conjugate style all my powerlifting career and this is mm-hmm. the first time ever like my training is completely different like if the last you know six weeks seven weeks of my training looks completely different than any other prep i've ever done um i don't necessarily need that adrenaline rush i guess you say dopamine rush anymore um mm-hmm. i enjoy lifting heavy i want to lift heavy but i guess i'm becoming more disciplined and learning that, okay, mm-hmm. it's going to take a longer route this time around because as more advanced you get, the longer it's going to take to increase that total. And I can't always do yeah, the same think, thing. Yeah, for me, like, I'm at a really weird place in my training career where I've been injured for the vast majority of the last five years. given either going through things or, you know, tearing things or coming back from things and, my strength has never really returned to the peak levels it was in like 2015, 2016. And I'm finally in a place where I'm pain-free. I'm able to train as hard as I want to. And every time I, every time I decide to go heavy, I PR something. Yeah. So I'm like, I am at the peak of my strength I've ever been in my whole life. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, if I decide to meet prep, Something's gonna I might fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also noticing as I get older, I can't go to the well as often. Like, so a couple weeks back, I guess that was two weeks back. No, a week back. A week back, I was squatting with the Mars bar. And I've never squatted with it before. Essentially, it's like a safety bar, low bar. And I was like, oh, this feels pretty good. I'm supposed to go to a top set. There's a bunch of people around. Instead of doing a top five or top six, I'm just going to do a top three. I ended up squatting 620 for three in sleeves. Goodness. And I was like, I was like, all right, like I've never tripled 620 before. That's pretty cool. Um, I guess that's a PR. And I look back, I'm like, the last time I squatted 730, I squatted 620 for a double. And I'm like, okay, well, my best double is 660. So are we going to try to, you know, like, and I'm in the off season right yeah. now. So I'm not peaked. My fatigue's really high. Like my volume and training is really high. So I'm like, okay, well, some good shit's fucking happening right now. Or like last week I tripled 620 on the deadlift. Yeah. I've never done that before. Really? And like, yeah. So I'm like, and I've pulled 730. So like, I'm very, I'm very explosive for one rep, like multiple reps I typically struggle with. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm in the off season. I'm not peaking. I'm hitting rep peakers on everything. Maybe I should do a meet. So I'm like, <laughs> the carrot on the stick is right there yeah. for me. And I'm like, 
just like fighting for it. So I, I'll probably compete one more time. I'm registered for a meet in October in Chicago. Okay. Um, I'm actually working right now uh, with um, Catherine Brown from Leone Law to get a, a work visa to be able to travel freely between cool. Canada and the U.S. So within the next month or so, I'll, I'll be getting that together and uh, hopefully be able to apply and be granted my, my visa. And then Tony and I can get together, film more content for Coach's Corner. And, Y'all looking, yeah, so we, thinking you might be doing some seminars and things? That's the goal, yeah, to be able to branch out and find new ways to uh, new ways to, to get information to people, uh, to bring people to the website. We think we have a, a, a tremendous product, and we just need to get it in front of more people. Yeah. Coach's Corner, to me, Coach's Corner to me is like, it's the way I feel like as a coach, I can leave my mark. Yeah. I, I can only coach so many people at once, but I can teach countless. Uh, teaching was actually, when I was the strength coach at Queens, I taught a class. And it was, I, was, I taught their strength and conditioning class. And it was my favorite part of the job. Like I sat at the front of the class with my PowerPoint. Like, you know, it was great. Every week now with Coach's Corner, I get to do that multiple times. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I feel like I've found exactly what I want to be doing. And uh, this this work visa is just an opportunity to to branch out and bring more people to it. And as uh, as the, the user base or member base of the site grows, uh, we're able to do more things. We're planning, we're planning a pretty big event for July right now, um, trying to get together an education summit the, the week of July 12th. Um, we're going to bring together between 15 and 20 uh, educators and coaches in the strength and conditioning, bodybuilding, nutrition field and have them each present for an hour, uh, sell that as a package. And then on, on the Saturday, we're going to have a nice round table discussion with everybody over Zoom. Um, and hopefully we get a great attendance. Like that's, That'd be awesome. that's ultimately the goal. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just more ways to bring people to the site. It's, of course, I've been working with y'all just for a short period of time now. But it, it's it's a great thing. I, I'm hopefully it'll keep growing because I, I I enjoy watching it. I enjoy being a. I don't create the content, but it's a it's a nice part yeah. down on the you make, you know make it the graphic side of it. It's pretty neat, and I get to absorb it as I, yeah. I create that stuff for y'all. It's yeah, it's, it's um, nice to be a part it's of been it. Fun. Yeah, it's just something. It's something about it. Like I I try to. I got, like you were talking about, you get to leave your mark. Um, I think it yeah. was last week sometime, you were, there was a post about Tony leaving the sport better than when he, when he was in it. Because when he retired from powerlifting, he's now giving back yeah. to the sport of powerlifting. And that's kind of what I want to do. Um, I want to be able to give back to the people that are, I mean, locally. You know, I've got people around here. You know, I've got a small private gym that I've got members at, Chuck's on Powerlifting. Yeah. Um, it's a 1500 square foot gym. Yep. I built a building on my land and that's where my gym is. And I don't have to deal with any of those mandates. I don't have to deal with any type of governmental bull crap. It's my private property. You want to come out, you sign a waiver. If we think you're a good mi- match for us, you can come, you know, so I charge $25 a month. That's all I charge. And it's open 24 seven. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I've kind of uh, I kind of done the same thing with my basement gym, yeah. the secret gym, the secret gym. Since uh, 
Yeah, our uh, the gym that I have been going to was stayed open in protests of the lockdowns and everything like that. And uh, he was just served a court injunction uh, to close. And he has a hearing on Friday. So the gym's closed until Friday. So I got a few people uh, coming into the house to try and get their training in, like people that have bodybuilding shows and stuff like that that I've met at the gym. So I think people, you know, this might be a little, little bit off, off the cuff, but I think people think lifting weights is about lifting weights. Yeah. And for a lot of people, lifting weights is about the culture, the community, yes. um, the social experience of having a group of like-minded people in the same space pursuing the same excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, if lifting weights was just about exercise, it would be a whole different story. Yeah. But I think I think what we're seeing in the world right now with regards to the you know the mental health crisis and everything like that. I've had the opportunity to deal with, I shouldn't say deal with, to work with a number of individuals dealing with mental health crisis. Like I worked in disability rehab. That's not just physical, right? So when you look at the the tent posts of good mental health, you look at social action, exercise, sunlight, and purpose. Yeah. Purpose being work. So they took their jobs away. They told them to stay home. They told them they can't exercise. And they told them that they can't go see family and friends. That's... What do you expect? Yeah, that's... I was... It's a a completely different situation up here, man. Like, we're still locked down. We're still on stay-at-home orders. That's insane. Um, Um, We're We're basically open I think we're the most locked-down country. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm 30 minutes from Texas. And you know how yellow Texas is. They're like, they're big middle fingers to the government half the time. I love Texas. <laughs> if I could, and if something, if it wasn't for my mom and dad, um, you know, I was adopted. So to me, I owe them everything. And yeah. it's like, I, I couldn't leave them for anything. Like, so I'm, I'm going to take care of them. They're in their 70s. And if anything were to ever happen, we'd sell our land and I'd move to Texas. That's exactly where we would go. But um, what are some things outside of powerlifting that you enjoy? Oh, man. That's a really good question. So I um, am a recovering workaholic because all I used to do was train and work. Uh, last two years ago, I moved out, out to the West like to the West coast of Calgary, Alberta, which is like on the, on the cusp of the Rockies, uh, just North of Montana. And I took up hiking. So I would go out to the mountains every couple of weeks and go hiking. That was something that I absolutely loved. Um, then when I moved back to the East coast to Ottawa, um, I bought a mountain bike. We've got some beautiful mountains, um, much smaller than the Rockies, but we've got some beautiful mountains out here. Uh, some great mountain bike trails. So I took up mountain biking. This year, I just bought a road bike. So I took up road cycling. Um, I love being outside. I love going to my cottage. Uh, we have a cottage about an hour and a half outside the city on a lake. Um, so I love, you know, canoeing, kayaking, um, anything, anything out on the water, I'm down. Um, and that's been, for me, the ability to disconnect Yeah, is 
is so valuable. It's something that I've struggled with a great deal, especially over the last couple of years. Um, so I'm learning again. Yeah. I'm learning to enjoy things outside of powerlifting. Powerlifting became my escape. Now it's just something that I do for fun, uh, along with all of those other things. Yeah. I, uh, I live basically in the middle of the woods. You can throw a pebble somewhere and that's in the middle of the woods. That's where my house is. I'm, I'm right smack dab in the middle of forests and everything. I can probably throw a football and hit my pond from my house. So it's, I love it. And I'm guilty of the fact that of I've let technology kind of integrate in my life a little too much. Cause when I was younger, I was hunting, fishing, I was outside in the woods, you know, riding our four wheelers, running around in the woods, doing something. Now I catch myself not doing those things. And I still had to work because supposedly I was essential, whatever that's supposed to mean (laughs) during the COVID lockdown. But we, the way we worked, I was at home every other week working from home. So I was able to do more of those things around the house Mm -hmm. that I normally would do when I was younger. And I was like, Holy cow. I, I see what we're, we have done. I've kind of, you know, we've, you know, we've got been glued to our phones and got just engrossed in social media. And I can see, you know, mental, yep. like mental health, like two years ago, my wife and I lost our son and powerlifting was my escape. Like I didn't really deal with it and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know much about depression. I mean, I, I've, I've never seen a counselor. I had a resource officer when I was in foster care and that was it. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I dove headfirst into powerlifting and I shut everybody else in my life off. So over the last year, amongst with the COVID stuff and then reading and like, it seemed like depression and mental health in the last year, year and a half has become a really, uh, I guess, headlining topic because you know, suicide rates skyrocketed and, you know, people training for a lot of people is very much therapeutic as anything else. And then being around the people, being around that environment, that culture, your friends, your family Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it made me realize like, Oh my goodness, I've disconnected myself from my wife, from my, my mom and dad, all these things. And that. Noticing that and realizing that made me recognize that I need to work on my mental state or whatever you want to call it so I can mm-hmm. process the things that I've went through in my life so we can I can continue being a better person. And that's something that I struggle with greatly. And then like y'all's, uh, not this the last podcast, but the podcast before the webinar last week. The yeah, mental the, health the one. Mental health one. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good one, and that helped me a lot because I was mowing when I was listening to it. <laughs> nice. I got a big yard to mow. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Um, so there's a few things in there. Number one, like I'm a big believer that training is a tremendous antidepressant, but it's really shitty therapy, right? Because it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't dive into. It doesn't allow you to explore any of the actual issues that that you're coming up but it does definitely release some great hormones it gives you some catharsis right like 
you release that energy and you feel better and the endorphin rush afterwards kind of alleviates those emotions. Um, and I'd be lying to you. Like, so I use, I use training and work as a way to distract. Like I went through a divorce two years ago mm-hmm. and it was without a doubt the hardest point in my life. And I use training and work as a means to distract myself. That's what I was feeling like, you know, like you feel like shit about yourself. Mm-hmm. You feel like I'm useless. But if I'm able to set this PR, I'm able to make more money, I'm able to feed my ego, mm-hmm. then I won't feel as bad. But guess what? You can't run from that shit forever. And that's what you learn. I've been very grateful. I've had a therapist for the last two and a half years. I've been going every every week or every two weeks. And, and it's been completely invaluable for me to be able to have a third party to just bounce ideas off of and and you know act as a as a mirror to kind of show me my bullshit. Yeah. Um, and when you look at, you know, what depression is, I think a lot of people use the word depression, but I think what they mean is they're depressing, right? It's okay. a verb, right? So I'm not, I don't suffer from depression. I'm depressing. I am, I am acting in a depressed manner because there's a lot on my plate. There is a lot of emotion being thrown at me. I feel heavy. Mm-hmm. What training allows us to do, it allows us, you know, for carrying all of our emotions in a backpack, it allows us to fucking take off the backpack and put it aside. Yeah, I agree. But w- unless we do that deep dive into why we're feeling how we're feeling, we never really get over it. And we never really develop that self-awareness. You came to it on your own, honestly, through you know, some self-reflection and all that stuff, but other people don't other people. Okay. Well, if training is the only thing that makes me feel good, I'm going to train five days a week on the days that I'm not training. I'm going to do other things that are active to occupy my mind. And if I want to be able to train harder, I'm going to take more PEDs. If I want to take more PEDs, I want to compete more. If I want to compete more, I'm going to set some records and boom, my hamstring blows off. Yeah. Well, guess what just got dropped in your lap? All your emotions. Yeah. How you going to deal with that? How you going to deal with that? I was listening to a podcast today, actually, with um, a gentleman who started a company called Valuetainment. Very, very popular uh, YouTube channel. He's in financial services, and uh, he does a lot of work with, like, bodybuilding and celebrities yeah. and things like that. He talked about the car. All your clothes came off, <laughs> figuratively speaking. Mm-hmm. All of your insecurities will be on display to the world. And if everyone around you was naked and all of their insecurities were shown, no one would be insecure anymore. That's all. Yeah. So yeah. you have you have to look at you have to look at yourself. And this 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 is going to come back to training. Okay. So we talked about people who have their why. Yeah. Right? Like this is my why. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Is it really? Because you can't really know why you're doing what you're doing unless you truly understand who you are. That's true. Who you are. What makes you up? What are your insecurities? Right? You might say, oh, I'm training to get big and strong. Well, are you really training big and strong? Or are you trying to get big and strong to stop people from bullying you because you're insecure about your weight? Yeah. Right? Are you trying to set powerlifting world records because you think you're worthless? Or do you actually want to set powerlifting world records because, you know, you love yourself and you think you're capable of more? Mm-hmm. 
our motivations are a direct reflection of our naked self. I can see that. And that, like that just was, it just blew my mind. And, and I put it in my story today. I was like, how about, you know, if you've heard of the book, start with why by Simon Sinek. Very, very, it's a very famous book about like business development. Uh-huh. Like, if you're going to go into business, you need to know why you're choosing the business that you're mm-hmm. choosing. Well, how about instead of starting with why, we start with who? Oh, yeah. Right? Who are you? Who are you at your core? Because until you understand that, you're never going to understand your true motivations. And as a coach, helping people find out who they are either through challenging them, either through pushing their buttons, either through asking for communication and validation and why, 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 dialing it down from their, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds to I want to be able to look at my husband while I'm naked and not be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. That is how you get buy-in from your clients, right? To get them to understand and admit to themselves you know, this is my call to action. This is my rock bottom. You hear about the person that does, is, is morbidly obese and says, I'm healthy at every size, blah, blah, blah. And then they have a massive heart attack. Yeah. Well, that massive heart attack is their rock bottom. So now their why isn't, oh, I don't need to lose weight because I'm healthy at every size. It's, I need to lose weight because I don't want to have another heart attack and I want to live to see my kid graduate mm-hmm. high school. Right. So like that to me, like I know that's probably a like, very roundabout way it's okay. of, you know, conceptualizing coaching as something greater than sets and reps. Yes. Something greater than macros. Mm-hmm. You are helping people to develop themselves as people. Yes. As, as human beings. And I think the more, if more people grasp that concept, we would be doing ourselves such a service. You know, we look at, I don't think there's been a time where health and fitness and and training has been more heavily researched and, you know, built out upon. There's more, you know, there's more information than ever before, but what's obesity and heart disease and and cancer doing? Rising. Keeps climbing. Yep. So there's a disconnect there. And I firmly believe that that disconnect is people. Yes. I agree. hundred percent. Okay. That's good. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one i like we we, we go off on all kinds of talks and things like that mental health is extremely important because to me personally i mean powerlifting in itself and the gym and the camaraderie of the people in our gym has helped me mentally you know of course i mean working with clients like uh about a month ago like trying to like help each other help my clients and be more than just someone that sends them a program and being mm-hmm. that sets and reps programming coach. Um, yeah. I don't, it's, it's, I've never seen it before and it might be a dumb idea. It may not work out, but I created a Facebook group message for all of my clients. So they can have that community where they can share all their PRs or like if they have any diet tricks that they use, like, you know, I sent you that pizza with, you know, pretty awesome macros cause I'm a fat kid. You know, like they can share those kind of things that they do with each other. And if, you know, mm-hmm. there's some people in there might can bench just the bar. And then there's some people in there that's benching 400 pounds where they're all encouraging each other to get better. You know, we're just as excited when that person posts a video of benching 50 pounds with just, you know, the two and a halves on there 
as we are as the yeah. guys hitting 400 for two instead of one. And I've, awesome. I've, I've done that to try to create an environment to where, okay, we're on this team together. It's not competitive. It's let's motivate each other and encourage each other to become better, like our better selves. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the idea. Behind that, it. Is that, so that's in a Facebook group message or in a group? It's a Facebook group message of all my clients. So you should, you should, you should look up the, uh, the software called discord discord. Yeah. D I S C O R D. Okay. So it's essentially a message board that you can, uh, do like group calls and stuff like that. It's okay. a, it's just a much more interactive and, um, and easier to navigate Facebook group. Okay. So it, it's a pretty cool, that's what we're doing. So I'm, I'm partnered with a company that uh, white labels apps. So that's where I'm going to be putting out some, some group training stuff. And so that app works through discord. So all of our clients who are doing the group training are going to be able to interact. That's on awesome. there. So it's a really, it's a great concept, man, to build community and, and, and create buy-in and like that's, that is what's missing right now with, with the lockdowns and stuff. People aren't as active and it's like, well, you could just work out at home. Yeah. But people don't. Yeah. People don't. They need the, the group. They need the, the camaraderie. They need the encouragement. Even if they don't talk to anybody at the gym, just being like, I'm an, in the gym. I'm an introvert, man. Like yeah. I have resting bitch face. I'm trying to get my shit done. Same um, but just being in public yeah feeds my heart and it kind of makes you more accountable like subconscious oh, yeah. subconsciously you're going yeah i need to be more accountable and not you know cut a couple reps off my set here i need to make sure i do everything and not be a lazy fat slob yeah. you know just we got to be more accountable <laughs> because people are around us <laughs> exactly not be a lazy fat slob I've gotten tubby and I got in trouble by Christian by calling myself fluffy. So now he's going to program conditioning for me. <laughs> Call yourself fluffy. Oh, we're losing connection. It's not a good luck, man. It's coming. Oh yeah. We're going to get there. My weight is starting to trend down. Good. That's what we need. Just nice and slow. Nice and slow. I like it. I'm, the, I'm um, eating like I'm supposed to. More often, like I usually, yeah. I had one cheat meal last week, um, and I, I kind of had me heavy, but I had a lot of stress last week also. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, we talked about it, about training. Like a lot of what we do in training is mitigate stress, right? Mm-hmm. We, we employ a specific stress to get a specific adaptation. Nutrition is the same way, right? As soon as you're, you plan the nutrition to achieve a goal, and you just kind of manipulate the variables until you find an equation that works well for the person. Yeah. That's going to vary so greatly between inter- between individuals. And, you know, the way we do it, where we track multiple variables, it gives us a lot of things to play with, right? Yes. If I don't want to drop your macros, I just get you to walk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like if I, or I get you to sleep a little bit more, I get you to hydrate a little bit better. Like there's so many different metrics that can lead us to that weight trending down on average. And it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, yeah. 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3 pounds a week. As long as we're still dropping. Yeah, I'm you know, happy with that. If it was up to me, if it, man, I'm, I'm trying my first time, I think I'm trying to 
lose weight on my own without a coach because mm-hmm. usually my my default is to diet really quickly and it's like oh, i'm just gonna suffer through it and say fuck it but this time i'm just gonna drop like you know 30 calories at a time okay see what happens so so far in four weeks i'm down one pound but that's more sustainable than losing one to two pounds a week yeah and again i'm still setting prs I look fucking great. Like I'm, you know, if things are happening, it's good. That's, you know, most people don't have, again, it comes out to patience, right? Yes, sir. I have a client right now. He needs to lose weight. He, he needs to drop down, but he also is not that strong. So he can't really afford to lose any strength. I'm like, okay, man, we're going to take the next 16 weeks and we're going to do it nice and slow. And he's like, I can't do it. I can't stick to it for 16 weeks. I'd rather do it really hard for eight. What? Okay. You'd rather suffer exactly. for eight weeks than take it slow for sixteen. Yep. Rather suffer for yep. yep. He because he needs he needs the reward to see the number on the scale drop. Golly. Or else he loses his motivation. I'm like, you know what, man? If that's what you need, that's what you yeah. need. That's knowing yourself. It's not optimal. Yeah. But it's what's appropriate. I try to go more off of the composition, like how I'm looking in the mirror versus the scale. Because there's times that I yeah, I fluctuate my weight. Like you'll you'll learn since we've been working together yep. as a coach. Like I hold water easy, and I'm just one of those people that hold water really easy. And one day I can be two thirty two, and you can see I have abs. And then the a week later, I'm actually lighter, but look fatter. And then there's times I'm six pounds heavier, but look way skinnier. And like, it's, I try to go off the composition more so than I do the weight. Yeah. So that's where progress pictures come into play. Like looking at, you know, time to time, like taking some pictures and I'll do it periodically. I just, you know, take a picture and like take a mirror selfie and say, okay, I'm doing pretty good. Um, But you know, the last time I took a mirror selfie, I was 234. Mm -hmm. The time this morning I was 230 on the dot. I look better now than I did then. My strength is better. I'm on the right. Yeah. Right. That boils down to the true reason why we're training. We're training to to learn who we are, what we're made of, to test our metal, mm-hmm. and then to improve who we are over time. When we're doing that, I think a lot of us, myself included, get into training because we hate who we are. You know, like, I'm a fucking fat kid, or you know, I can't get a girlfriend, or whatever it is. Until you get to the point of, I'm training because I love myself and I want to do the best by myself. I think you're handicapping yourself. I, 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 can I don't see think that. you're going to get the most out of it. I can see that because it kind of goes along. Approaching the lines. from a go yeah, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. It kind of uh, to me that that makes sense because it goes along goes along the lines of having confidence in yourself. Because I am not a confident person in my abilities. Like, I know I can do a lot of things if I put my mind to it. But, like, like again, my coach and my friends, my wife, like, m- the hardest time for the meet for me is if I get a reward and they're calling my name. That's the hardest time for me is getting recognition or being noticed, those type of things. Like, I don't, I don't have that much kind of confidence in myself. Like, and I don't know why. It's just one of those things that it's never – been that way so 
confidence comes from competence, right? So you build confidence based on your competence in achievement. So the more you achieve, the more you realize you have the evidence that you can achieve. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you kind of acclimate to it. Getting And for myself, is never something I've been good at. But you need to do those things. Yeah. You need to take the time to say, hey, I did well. And that doesn't mean that you should be complacent. That doesn't mean that you should be, all right, I'm good enough. There's always growth to be had. Yeah. Right? Um, there's a, uh, a, I don't know if we call it a legend, but there's a, a story of Sisyphus who was punished by the gods to push a rock up a hill perpetually over time. Anytime he got to the top of the hill, the rock would roll to the bottom. And there was a French philosopher named Albert Camus who philosophized that Sisyphus was smiling while he was pushing the rock up the hill because he had purpose. Yeah. So even though he would never get to the top, because he had the task and the purpose of perpetually pushing that rock up the hill, he was happy. So to me, that signifies that during this whole thing of training, nutrition, self-care, mental health, you have to find happiness in your process. Yeah. You have to find happiness in the steps taken to get to the top. Because every time you reach one one level, the rock rolls down and you got to push it to the next level. And then you got to push it to the next level. Yeah. And there is no destination in this life except six feet under. That's true. The, you know, you get two, two numbers on your, on your gravestone. The day you're the born. Difference between, <laughs> the day you're born, the day you die. And everything in between is a dash. Yeah. And so what are you going to make of that dash? That's, that's, that's interesting way to look at it, you know, because there, there's, it could be however long or however short it's going to be. Make the most out of it. You're never guaranteed anything in this life. Like I made a post about account about entitlement because, you know, I think especially with these lockdowns, we're seeing a lot of people entitled. You know, oh this this or this you know business didn't make it safe for their customers and blah blah blah. Well, no one fucking forced customers to walk into that store. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, people expect that the world should be bent at their whim when they don't feel comfortable about something. And that if, if I do something that offends you, it's my fault and a whole bunch of shit like that. You need to be able to find purpose in your suffering and you need to make every moment till the day you die meaningful. Um, the Stoics have this concept called memento mori and it's, it's essentially signifying um, you will die. Mm-hmm. So live your life as if you've died already and everything is bonus. That is awesome. That is very true. Yeah. So, I mean, when you go through a divorce, you, later, or you read a lot of weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you I figure out what resonates with you. Yeah. I haven't went through divorce. I've been married six years. Um, but, you know, we lost our son a couple of years ago. Awesome, um, but yeah, which is tragic. I, I, I never read. I'm not a reader. I wish I was. I need to get better at that. Um, mm. But I've, I've, it changed me, and I think for the better. In some ways, you know, 
the process of, you know, grieving it and dealing with it, I was mm. not a better person during that time. I think it made me a worse par- no. person because I was already a quiet introvert. I'm very to myself. I don't talk much, you know, with mm-hmm. even my wife. She knows that I'm not a very talkative person, but it made me even less talkative. It made me more internal. Um, you retreat. Yes. And I'm, and I've always been that way all through my life. Um, the same year, and I'm not trying to get all, you know, sad, my biological, mm-hmm. my biological father passed away. And my biological mother passed away all in the same years we lost our son. That's heavy. Yeah. So that was a very difficult and challenging year. And obviously through that time, I did not, I guess going through that, I wasn't a better person, but now looking back at it and I'm still dealing with it, but I am now, I can say I am a better person now than what I was then when I was in the, the thick of it. Looking back, of it's course. like, um, it's, it's experiences like that in life, like divorce or anything, you know, death in your life that you can, that can go two ways. You can allow it to affect you completely negatively and you just ruin your life, or you can let something be, you know, something that can encourage you to be something better or grow from it and learn from it. <clears throat> Absolutely, man. And that's, that's resilience in a nutshell. Yeah. And when we look at, you know, bringing it back home to the subject of training, that's why we train. We train to build resilience in our bodies and minds. We, we train to, we train to force artificial stress on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We should be grateful that our lives are so comfortable that we have to artificially stress ourselves. Yeah. And that's first world um, problems to a T. Exactly. One book that I think you should get. Um, just a it's called The Daily Stoic. The Daily Stoic. It's right here. The Daily Stoic. Okay. So what it is, for every day of the year, there's a passage. And it's just a couple paragraphs. Okay. So just a couple paragraphs. I usually read them when I'm having my coffee. And every month there's a different theme. And it's Ryan Holiday reviews different stoic quotes or different stoic stories that he compares to life lessons. Okay. So, you know, like the last one will be like, no blame, just focus. And it'll, it'll give a quote, and then he'll break it down, and he'll give quotes for, or give examples of famous people. Or, or when I was depressing, I was, was using this as a means to prompt journaling. Yes, sir. So I would like to read the passage, and then I would journal about how that would relate to my life. And and it was tremendously, uh, tremendously effective in terms of like self reflection. Well, I'm about to order it. Is that it right there? That's it. I'm about to order it. There you go. But man, uh, we're getting about an hour and five minutes. Um, we can wrap this yeah, up, and I really appreciate it. And I'm honored that you would come on here. And I enjoy talks like this, even though it wasn't 100 percent training and powerlifting. I uh, I don't this. I want it to be a little different. I want to talk about more than just lifting weights because we are more than just lifting weights. 
Absolutely, man. It's been my absolute pleasure. I love what you're doing. Um, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and uh, looking forward to it. Looking yes, forward sir. to more of it. How can uh, people reach you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Paul Oneid, P-A-U-L-O-N-E-I-D. My business page is at Mastrathletic, so at M-A-S-T-R-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C, um, at Coach's Corner U. And uh, if you want to, if you're interested in my app, MetroLife, which is a lifestyle monitoring app that helps you with your habits and behaviors, you can find that at MetroLife underscore. Sweet. Um, you should be expecting your shirt in the next week or so. I have no idea how long it's going to take to oh, get to Canada. Can't wait. Actually, I'll check my mail in the last little bit, so I'll go check my mail when I go on my walk and check. Supposedly, it was supposed to be there Saturday, but I told Ashley, I was like, I don't think that it was going to get there to Canada in a week. I have no idea. I don't know if they're going to uh, You know what? You never, you never know. Tony sent me a package once, and it got to me in like two days. Golly. It just... It's it's different, man. So now we I have Chalk Zone shirts in Tampa, Hawaii. Oh, nice! Yeah, gonna be one, and now in Canada, and then you know all over Texas and Arkansas. I hand them things out like candy. Nice. I'll uh, I'll uh, if I get it, I'll wear it in my it's for a, training tomorrow. It's a comfy shirt, I promise. Nice. Well, man, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure, dude. Talk to you soon. See you.